Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You but Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Um, how are you guys doing? Sean? So far, so good. Yeah, Sean. I'm good. <laughs> Sean has, <laughs> we're talking to Sean's top of his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> quite a view. Um, well, Sean, let, let, let's get right to it. Sean. It has gotten you, worse. Why, why don't you tell us what today's show is all about? Well, Matt, as I sit poolside here in Barbados, I don't know, it's kind of contradictory. But today's episode is about poverty, Matt. And how, <laughs> as I see inside <laughs> on my, in my villa. What a flex from Sean. Right, but... Sean just flexing yeah, on the honestly, poor. Please. Sean hasn't always been. Right? What yeah, shall I, we tell the poor? My, as I drink my pina colada. Yeah. No ice, sir. No ice, bartender. Please, no more ice, okay? Double on the rum. I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really about... I, I just thought, you know, I was as I was, you know, thinking today, like there's so many occurrences that are happening in today's world. And I just think, you know, people that are living below the what? poverty line are always getting the short end of the stick. <laughs> I just I'm just cutting you, you know, off because so. I wasn't clear on what you're saying. John. You said there's so many occurrences so for the, me and the listeners. So many occurrences of what? No, there's been so many different types of things happening in today's world. Oh, OK. From the vaccine, from natural disasters from you know even kids having to work virtually at home and i just think when i read and read up about all these occurrences that are happening i always think that people living below the poverty line are always getting the short end of the stick That's a fact. and i was just like you know for us to talk financial literacy we need to bring this to the audience's attention and just make note of like you know what these occurrences and how people that are you know in lower income neighborhoods or just in lower income in general are are really getting screwed and i was like you know nobody really talks about this and i just said i just want to bring it to the public's attention so they can be think of what's happening to people that are less fortunate well i, I would just chime in on that i agree that definitely like we, we know color plays a role in a lot of things in, in, in the world um sometimes it's race but a lot of times that color is green money so the the, the wealthy mm. that that one percent that people with means mm-hmm. you know they're going to be able to, I think, deal with tragedies uh, or like, as you said, quote unquote, occurrences 
And we've been living <laughs> in a stretch of life on this planet where the occurrences are crazy right now. So yeah. for the poor and the people who are struggling financially, you are absolutely right. They're, they're going to be hit harder than any group. So I, I'm in agreement mm -hmm. with you. And I would also say that the poor is not so different from the not poor. <laughs> like it's it's not like an uncrossable line or something that, you know, some like that you couldn't end up there if you're not in the top, top, top percent. True. Right. And it's just, I just think that they need a spokesperson to really speak up for them because the people that you're seeing on TV are not the poor, believe it or not. And they're mm -hmm. the ones like kind of dictating the pace and trying to tell people what's happening. And I just think it's unfair because it's most of the people that are poor that continue to suffer and suffer when, when these type, when these things that we read on the news and see on the TV every day are happening. So I know this is a serious topic and it's no time for jokes. But Sean, when you just said these people need a spokesperson, the poor and the impoverished, as I visualize you on the beach in Barbados, I'm sorry, it was just funny to me. I'm visualizing yeah, you with yeah, like, yeah, you know. I am the spokesperson. I am the spokesperson, yes. Sean is the voice of the poor <laughs> from his mansion in Barbados. Uh, no, but I had to start from somewhere and I worked my way up. So Karen, that being said, mm -hmm. what are we gonna talk about first? So first, we're going to touch on misinformation about the vaccine, which is way more prevalent among the poor and the less educated. A, according to a University of Kansas study, it found that vulnerable populations who are uh, they are often the ones most severely affected by public health crises. And they're also at high risk of consuming and sharing misinformation online and also maybe not having the tools to assess credibility. Um, and misinformation spread in lower income communities is possibly in intentional. I mean, there's we don't have a smoking gun here <laughs> and we're not <laughs> we don't want to be sued. But, you know, politicians and businesses do have an interest in spreading misinformation and thereby controlling communities for their benefit and maybe influencing people's behavior. And anyone who's discouraging anyone from getting vaccinated, especially if the people they're, they're discouraging are in lower income or disadvantaged neighborhoods, those, they are doing a tremendous disservice to that community. I, I would follow up that by saying that I do think there are other not disagreeing with that point, but there's other facts and other studies and other um, differentiating points like or factors like um, our political party. Mm. Like that's the most drastic differentiator to me when I, from my research about the attitudes about the vaccine is, you know, Democrats and Republicans, like, you know, there's, there's a definite political uh, part of this discussion, but in terms of class and in terms of, of finances, you do see um, on on class lines and on racial lines, you do see those those numbers are impacted. I, I think the financial part of this is is definitely uh, a factor worth investigating. I'm not quite sure if it's. I, I feel like it covers so many different parts, though. That I, mm -hmm. I don't know what the data. I, when I study this, I'm not quite sure what the, the the takeaway is when you look at these. Well, I think that the the just to make one point, the people who are wealthy have the luxury of falling on whatever side of the vaccine debate that they want. Like they can buy a horse dewormer if they want, <laughs> you know, like picking and choosing information or being able to assess it correctly is kind of, it's a luxury to be able to get away with believing what you want to believe. Right. Like Joe Rogan, for instance, who has been vocal about not being 
for the vaccine, but then he recently mm-hmm. uh, was diagnosed with COVID and he's <laughs> able to throw the kitchen sink and get doctors around the clock and, and top, yes. top level of medical care that completely you, dewormed. Right. <laughs> There's not a single worm in Joe Rogan. <laughs> but if you're someone who doesn't have means, barely have health care or don't have health care, well, like, yeah, you're right. Like your your decision to not believe or not uh, take the vaccine, it's your decision. But if you don't yeah. have means, if you don't have funds, that decision can have a much harsher um Outcome for you. There's the word. A million percent. Yeah. Let me just say this. This is the reason why I wanted to do this show. Like the Joe Rogan example is a perfect example. Like, like Joe Rogan is speaking for the rich and the poor, basically, on Mm -hmm. the show. And it's unfair. And this is what I want people that are living below the poverty or people that know, like, it's not a fair playing field. And politicians and business people, they use people, the poor people, use Mm -hmm. them for getting political clout, business clout. And people have to be aware of that. Like Joe Rogan professing he's not being vaccinated. It's far different than somebody living below the poverty line saying they're not getting vaccinated. You know, Mm -hmm. even even Karen, like in in the Hasidic community, Jewish community, they're not getting vaccinated. And that spreads to other communities. That could be tragedy, you know. So I just want people to understand, like, this is the point of this show. You can't you know, you, you putting Joe Rogan says he's not getting vaccinated, like Matt said, is like he's going to have a team of doctors to make sure he gets out of it. Just like when Trump got diagnosed with COVID. And you can't sit there and be this person that's fighting this non-vaccination thing and thinking you're going to be in the same playing field because you're going to have to go to these subpar hospitals with subpar doctors, with subpar treatment and fight a totally different battle. And then God forbid something happens to you, mm-hmm. then you're going to leave your family without that source of income or, or that family with that source of help that is so needed. Mm-hmm. Somehow to Joe Rogan, believe me, he's, his family's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. The hard <laughs> part about this, though, is, is that there's so many people who have very passionate opinions on both sides of the to anti-vaxxers and pro-vaxxers, or, or maybe there's another group that's not necessarily pro, but it's like it's the best this is the, you know, best of bad options. Like they're not looking, they're not, they weren't happy to, oh, I want to, I'm looking to get vaccinated. It's like, oh, I, it's a, it's a must do. But I, I think that there's people who look at past history, like people rec- or will bring up the Tuskegee experiment mm-hmm. where, you know, black folks were basically, you know, completely violated by uh, medical staff and people that we were you're supposed to be trusting and, and mm-hmm. they got violated or, or there's just other there's historical reasons for mistrust or distrust right and so then when you have that rooted like i've been in so many conversations or even just as a fly on the wall looking at social media with some of my friends and hearing some of the harsh the hardcore anti or the hardcore pro or hearing their the commentary and it's like I don't even know how you would push through any of that because some people are so dug in on their yeah. opinions. Yeah, well, it's political. It's like not just medical. Sorry, Sean, yeah, go ahead. It's mostly, the whole vaccine is a political, it's political. And then what they'll do, they'll reinforce conspiracy theories after conspiracy theories into your cycle of like where you're getting your, your, your information from. And you have to be smart enough and cognizant to know that the same people that are telling you not to do it are most likely doing it. Mm-hmm. And what is their agenda? You know, what is their hidden agenda? Why are they telling me to do this? What is behind it? And what is my situation? Can my situation afford me to get sick? How do you, you know, know that, though, Sean? I don't know if that's misinformation. You're saying that the people that are on television or you're talking about the people in life that are saying don't. How do you know who's like like oh i'm going to tell these people to not get vaccinated but then i'm going to get vaccinated I'm sorry I, i'm going to be very i'm going to be very blunt 
the people that are encouraging people, especially that are living in lower income neighborhoods, not to get vaccinated are misguiding that community. I'm going to say it point blank. Who are these people, though? Are, you, are there any? Is, can you give me an example? Is it like on the news? Is it politicians? Well, or like, politicians, is there? Like, you can talk about what's going like on Joe Rogan, court. for instance. I don't think Joe Rogan was like saying this to misguide anyone. I think he just has the privilege to be, hey, this is my opinion. I'm sticking my chest out and telling you. And then if he has to backtrack, he has the means. I don't think he, I don't, I don't know him, but my opinion on him, I don't feel like it was a nefarious statement. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, who who out there are are are? Do you think are saying things as a misleader as opposed to just being passionate about their opinion? I would say a lot of local politicians are saying, and I'd say like even what's okay. going on in Florida with the whole education about masking, and not masking. That's all vaccine related, in my opinion. You know, and if you're not going to tell people to wear a mask and encouraging when going on the news and professing that masks do more harm than good and you're telling it to people in lower income communities and you're just wrong because you those communities can't handle spreads of diseases spreads of viruses they just can't handle it. they don't have the same bandwidth as communities that that are have upper income you know when disasters happen things happen it's the poor that suffer and the same thing with viruses and i'm sorry like if there is something that can minimize the trans transition the uh, trans transmitting these viruses in lower income communities and i'm all for it I'm all for it. Well, to your point, President Trump got vaccinated like first. Exactly. <laughs> and he was just, he was like not like a big mass vaccine guy. Yeah. And if that's not politically motivated, then what is? If the same person is telling you not to, professing you not to, is vaccinated, that's that's where people don't understand. And then they're still standing behind these people and back to not understanding like their current situations can't handle mm-hmm. the downside of not being vaccinated. And you know what? It's the truth is that it's mostly black and brown people who are going to be hit the worst by this, you know, and, and it's, you know, they're so like statistically black and Latino people are almost three times more likely to die from COVID than the rest of the population and race and ethnicity are risk factors for, you know, like for how hard COVID hits you, like your socioeconomic status or whatever, how much access to healthcare you have, how exposed you are to the virus by virtue of your work or where you live or whatever um, is like it hits different communities different, like the racial spreads, not equal on that. Agreed. Yeah. It's not that people get more sick because of, because you're brown or black. It's because you're not getting the same fair, equal treatment of medical care when you do catch COVID. Mm -hmm. And that's my point. (laughs) You know, that's my point of even why we're doing this show. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm in Barbados and I couldn't believe survive how low the numbers here are in Barbados. Only 35% of the population is vaccinated. And when I speak to local people here, they're all caught up on Fox News and all these different conspiracy theories. And I just like, I didn't even know it's found its way here in these small little Caribbean islands. And I just think it's wow. very sad. Yep, it is. Well, we're this is going to be around for so long. We're going to be dealing with COVID for a minute. And I feel like, you know, when you get a prescription for antibiotics and they tell you, you have to finish the whole course, even if you feel better, because uh, otherwise it won't kill the virus, you know, enough. Like some of the virus will survive and it'll mutate and it'll be even stronger. I feel like that's what's happening now <laughs> with people not getting vaccinated. It's like, we have to just get, get, all get vaccinated, put a stop to this thing. If people don't, 
the virus is going to keep keep up with us. You know what I mean? And keep changing, like move on and on. Well, I have a question. So normally our show traditionally is about financial literacy or financial topics or finance related. Um, so obviously <laughs> life and death impacts your finances. So, uh, but, <laughs> but <laughs> is, is there some tie in to our normal conversation here or, or is this more just a public service announcement from two black guys with good credit <laughs> no i think people understand that there's a lack that the lack of wealth and financial revenue is usually not one particular event matt it's like you know you don't become poor or disenfranchised because of one thing happened usually it's a combination of many events that spread you know the spreading of the miseducation about a vaccine is a social economic injustice in my opinion and from you know losing a family member losing a job, becoming ill for even if you're if you're in learn a lower income and you're ill for two, three months, that's a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the reason why this show this is why to me it all relates to finance and financial literacy. Like wealth health is wealth. You know, health is wealth. Okay. But not to get you know I I, I love that line, but just trying <laughs> to like not just be cliche. Like what what are we wanting people to do? Like what is our what what what's the actionable Step Let here. me tell you this. Part of the reason why I got vaccinated because it just made sense for me. Even like I can't afford to be sick. I can't afford to catch COVID. It would hurt myself. It hurt my business. It would disenfranchise my children in so many different ways. So I want people that are listening to this show to weigh out the economic impact of not go. being vaccinated. Mm. Understanding the loss that could happen and suffer. You can give me all the conspiracy theories you want. You know, we've been taking vaccines for hundreds and hundreds of years. But can you handle the downside if you are wrong, if your child contracts it, if you contract it? I know personally, my fear of catching COVID was like, I cannot afford to be sick. Mm -hmm. As much as I love to be have pina coladas on the beach mat, I can't quarantine for two months, three months. <laughs> I can't be hospitalized. I mean, COVID is no joke. But I do find some things and there's some, you know, comedians and, and, you know, we have one on the on the on the panel here. And there's there's people who just kind of will have a funny way of pointing out some of the stupid or hypocrisy or, or whatever. Like there's the stuff that we eat, breathe, drink, smoke just in our daily lives. Like people mm -hmm. are so willing to risk it all, you know, whether it's taking uh Drugs that might be, you know, like I heard someone just uh, the actor from The Wire just passed, and I don't know if it was fentanyl or whatever, but it's like, yeah, there's, right. There's so many drugs or, or, or synthetic weed or, or just eating a piece of beef or chicken that's been uh, pumped with drugs and steroids or the air we're breathing. And it's like, there's so many things that we do on a day to day. But when COVID came out, I understand it. It's major that when a pandemic happens, I get why people. And the, the way politics works, I understand how it got politicized, but it is funny to me when I, you look at how much stuff we ingest and mm -hmm. just like keep it moving. But then it's like, oh, we want to give you this vaccine. Like, oh, no, that's not. How do we know that's safe? Like, Yeah, wow. right. Or people it's who are scared that it's tracking them. Yes, but we're all just carrying our phones being tracked every <laughs> right. second of the day. It's so you can, they, they, they're recording this podcast on our phones without us knowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break. So stay tuned for more Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Keep it locked. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Black guys. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today's topic, today we're discussing what happens when you combine poverty with natural disasters, tragedies, and pandemics. The impacts of these difficult events, they hit harder in poor communities. It's just a fact. So, so let's get back into this discussion. Sean, I think we iron. I think we shot up for people to at least understand. That's what this show is for you to understand and have a good perspective. Let's let's go to the next one. Okay, so we we discussed how vaccines and and, and the pandemic is impacting people on class and and, and financial lines, but there, it's more than just the it's the pandemic. That, like natural disasters, we've been seeing those very frequently in recent years. But natural disasters hit different based off of class, based off of lots of factors. Sean, why don't you? You know, break that down for us. Whew. And if people think COVID is going to be around for a long time, trust me, natural disasters are not going anywhere. Okay. Now, if Katrina, Haiti, or the most recent Hurricane Ida haven't brought to your attention the importance of financial education, then I'm not sure what will. There are people that are able to get out of systematic poverty, make a daily effort to do so. But there are also people that are gaming the system. Lazy or refuse to uplift themselves, Matt. In New York alone, I have about five friends off the top of my head that live in basement apartment that got flooded and all of them i mean all of them did not be did not need to live in an um, <laughs> unregulated basement apartment but they chose to because of cheap rent mm. and they had no renters insurance so guess what they're in a worse situation that they ever were in and i think this natural disaster topic is really again to point to people's attention the economic impact of poverty when it comes to natural natural disasters. No, you're absolutely right, Sean. And, and when there is a natural disaster, the consequence of those disasters, as you just stated, it's going to hit different for the impoverished community. So, mm -hmm. you know, the socioeconomic inequality that's likely to continue to increase and with it, disaster rates seemingly are increasing with you know, global warming that some don't seem to think exists, but mm -hmm. both of these things are, 
you know, it just seems like we are headed for more trouble. So if you don't have your finances in order, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have insurance, if you don't have savings, if you don't have, you know, the ability to uh, replace or replenish or continue to exist after you get hit hard by a Ida or a Katrina, you know, like like the wealthy are definitely not going to miss a beat. If you, you know, you can move your, your winter home or your summer home, but, you know, if you're living in a unregulated, illegal basement <laughs> apartment, that is definitely going to basically knock you out. Yep. And it's not, it, it, you're right. It's not just about poverty. It's about um, people living in impoverished people being more likely to live in hazardous or hazard exposed areas and less able to invest in risk reducing measures, whether that's insurance or not living in a basement or whatever. And lack of access to insurance, social protection means that people in poverty are, are often forced to use already limited funds and assets to deal with disaster losses. And that drives them into further poverty and less resilience when you know, financial resilience to deal with um, future stuff. It's a and vicious cycle. It's a cause and a consequence, right? So it's also, a cycle of risk. As you were talking, Karen, it made me think about, and then there's been people who've talked about this in the past. It just it just popped into my brain. But mm -hmm. not only in terms of uh, like living spaces, but with jobs. A lot of the jobs that like there's higher risk for the poor, the poor community, the jobs that they have to take. Like, yep. so it's like not only, oh, I live in this basement apartment. Oh, I'm doing this job where I'm exposed to X, Y, and Z. It's like basically the financial impact on our lives and our safety or, or the vulnerability that comes with not having, you know, means mm -hmm. it, it, it hits on so many levels. Yep. And I'll tell you this, what this exposes well, these natural disaster, everybody on this planet is exposed to a natural disaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, two weeks ago, we all had to watch rain come down in our houses, our apartments in New York City. Then a week before it was happening in the South. Then, you know, it's happening all over. the. No, there's nobody I can think of that hasn't been affected by some kind of natural disaster in the last, you know, 24 months. Mm hmm. So we have to understand, like, everybody's vulnerable. And I always say as I get older and I get smarter, you know, I'm just trying to minimize my exposure, minimize my risk. So if you're in a situation where you haven't, like, you, you haven't insured yourself the way you need to insure yourself, you haven't, you know, you're not educating yourself, you need to educate yourself, you're not understanding the impact of these natural disasters and how, like, one flood can send you below poverty, then you, once again, you need to wake up. You need to take your, you know, you need to take yourself out of certain situations to help better yourself. And mm -hmm. if you are living in a poverty state, then, you know, you need to try to figure out how do I, you know, work my way through this. And I know it's a vicious cycle, like Matt says, you know, I come from humbling beginnings myself, but, you know, we always talk about it, you know, education, you know, not to sound tabooish, but it, education is the way out. Yeah. Well, uh, after a natural disaster, income is the number one factor that determines whether a person stays in that area that's been devastated or that person leaves. And after a disaster, the rich generally leave or can leave and the poor have to remain. So, you know, as you everything you just said is so true. Uh, both, uh, you know, both of you guys said poverty rates, they climb by one percentage point in areas hit by super severe disasters, one recent study found. That suggests that people who aren't poor are migrating out of that and people who are poor are migrating in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that cycle that we're talking about, you know, like, and, and I would say on some just you said that's actionable- so You gotta understand, the poor people have no choice to go back to disaster areas. 
that's right. how crazy it is. That's very that's that's just shocking and and scary at the same time and it's not going back to how life was before it's going back to a harder life with less jobs more expenses and less disposable income and more struggle also like i think about like when i look at this topic and the and our our points and our rundown on this part of me wants to think of things to tell people to do actionable steps things to you know and some of our past shows i think apply when it's about like saving and putting money away for you know we say a rainy day fund rainy day is 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 very light compared to you know hurricane ida or katrina like that's a disaster but but the 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 thought process of saving and having a fund that it's like okay even if you don't make bazillions of dollars like you know whatever it is you're making if you are if you are diligent and putting away money hopefully by the time the disaster hits you have something that can help you to deal with it as best you know if you have nothing saved you're you know it's just a disaster on top of the disaster so i definitely encourage our listeners to start to look at strategies on you know for whatever level of income you have to wisely you know educate yourself basically mm-hmm. you know try to better yourself you know I posted something recently on my Instagram page and it kind of it sticks with me. You know, the scariest place to be is in the same place as last year. You know, I've seen people, especially that are living in certain areas, low income will just be like, oh, I'm getting this government money. Oh, I'm getting these checks from my, for my kids, myself, but I'm good. Like you should try to increase and better your situation and reduce the risk and exposure and not get into this position where one thing can take you out, you know where one thing can, can take you out instead of, you know, depending on yourself versus depending on the system, you know? So mm-hmm. it sounds like our next topic comes right in here, education. You know, COVID has exposed across the globe, the disparity in education, the poor learned less than the wealthy. Cause that, that like with COVID having to, to force kids to be homeschooled, you know, a lot of, you know, if you didn't have Wi-Fi in your home, if you didn't have a computer in your home, your kids are just going to be basically stuck. And it's a cycle that, you know, when they like send a, a satellite to Mars or whatever, <laughs> and right. it's such a vast distance that they ha- if they're off by even like the tiniest percentage point, then, you know, on the route or whatever, then it just it overshoots by like thousands right. of miles. It's like that. Like there's an accumulation of um, this sort of like tragedy on top of disaster for p- for lower income people where if, you know, university acceptance standards and, you know, test score like metrics stay the same, then the disparity continues to grow for a fortunate child child versus a poor child. And maybe that's even generational. Definitely. It, yeah. I think it is. I, I, it was so awakening for me. I mean, in New York City, one of the richest cities in the world, I couldn't believe when COVID hit there was kids that don't have access to the internet. Mm. Kids that don't have home computers. Or there was families that had to share their home computers for their four children doing online learning. Right. While one kid has a computer to himself, high-speed internet, that's just a disenfranchised disproportion of learning, of education. And, like, and as Karen said, when it comes down to now testing for these schools, these kids are going to be behind the eight ball. And Sean, just to cut you off for a second, because I totally agree with that point. You use you, you use the example of New York City. 
I've done some research where it talks about different rural, rural areas. I hate that word, rural. Anyway, <laughs> different rural areas that don't even have Wi-Fi. So it's like, it's not even like, oh, I don't have a computer or I got to share Wi-Fi. Like they don't even have access yeah. to Wi-Fi in some of these mm -hmm. neighborhoods. So it's just the point you just made, I'm saying in some areas, it's even more exasperated because of a lack of tools and Wi-Fi. Right. And so and to me, it gets back to even now, for the shows we've done earlier, Matt, which you said it before, is like we did a show on infrastructure. And to me, this ties into it. This is the first time the U.S. government is going to throw so much money out to help um, help infrastructure. And there's money that can be targeted towards your community. But you have to go make it happen. You have to go out there and speak to your local politicians and lobby them to make sure they're doing the things that are needed in your community. Like Matt said, like Wi-Fi, like access to things to, to create a level playing field. This is the right. time. You know, because if this disparity, this education disparity because of COVID, we're going to see the effects of this like five years from now, three, four, oh, yeah. years, probably less than that. But there's an equalizer, I believe, when Matt, you talk about solutions, you know, when it comes to education gap, I believe this infrastructure plan is part of the equalizing that can make things that can level the playing field. But you and your community have to get involved and have to go out there to make you can't let the overseers decide what resources come down and how it will be spent. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. Well, Sean, like, I, I think like this last section where we're talking about education and both, you know, we're all talking about the issue and the problem and the disparity and also touching on the fact that there's a definite need for solutions. And, and a lot of that solution comes from better education. But, but I really think, like if you are someone listening to this show and you feel like you're vulnerable and you feel like like taking the time to get financially educated, taking the time to like look into these like the infrastructure bills. If you're in the States or whatever country you might be listening to, if your country has been hit hard and you think there's going to be opportunities. But I think it's really just about. The, the disasters are inevitable. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep coming. You have to do a better job. We all do have to wake up. It's a different world from COVID and pandemics to I know recently there's been all on the news a lot of uh, recap about September 11th because it's mm -hmm. the 20th anniversary and like people talked about nothing was the same. It, everything changed after that. We're in a similar time where the, the pandemic, mm -hmm. these, nat these natural disasters, like life is different. Things are changing. It's not going to be the same, but you can you can be armed with all this information that's out there from our show from other places google's your friend do what you need to do to arm yourself and to better and not like you said sean not be in the same position next month or in 12 months or in three five ten years you have to really start building a foundation to protect your yourself from this world we live in yeah and i think it's it's not even necessarily that you're doing anything wrong currently, but it's like an awareness that, okay, well, there's going to be some heavy stuff. <laughs> if history is any indication, like, you know, we've been through wars and this and that, and this pandemic has been absolutely wild. I don't know that us, the average person really saw this coming. And now that we know it's here, now that there's a precedent, <laughs> we know that stuff's going to keep happening inevitably. There's going to be some other kind of thing. And so you know, maybe if previously that wasn't in your awareness, you know, or maybe an attitude, which, you know, I relate to pretty intensely that 
it's going to be all right. Or, you know, I can sort of start preparing for this at a later date, this sort of procrastination on it. Then maybe we don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. And maybe this is stuff we have to move to like top of inbox now, maybe sooner than our original timeline. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Karen. Well said. I, I mean, I guess I understand the top of the inbox analogy. Um, we do have to make things priority. You know, I always like to talk about risk and managing risk and managing exposure. And if you're living below the poverty line, if you, and you know, and you, and you're not trying to really get out of it, you're so exposed to, and so vulnerable to any little thing that can happen in this world. And it's something that you have to make the effort to, to do better, to grow, you know, even and growing can be so it can be minimal, but as long as there's continued growth, you know, mm-hmm. hashtag do better. <laughs> hashtag why aren't you doing real, better <laughs> like as simple as that is that's the goal right i think melania trump said it when she said hashtag be best <laughs> <laughs> because there's so many things around you pushing you down and keeping you down and you have to really try to find your way out because being in a poverty situation you know despite the lower income, the other, the other variables are just so harmful to you and your loved ones and for next generations. Right. Agreed. Well, on that note, um, I think we, we can bring this episode to a close. There's a lot of heavy things, powerful points. Um, so like, like I, miss, I think it needed to be said. I mean, I, I need, I definitely needed to get this off my chest. This show is not only about financial literacy for me, it's therapeutic. <laughs> so I needed to get this <laughs> off my chest. Uh, agreed. I'm with you, Sean. So like I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I don't think there's ever been an episode that exemplifies that phrase more <laughs> than this episode. It's like there's the world is forcing us to make changes. So you don't want to be in the same situation you're in now if you're struggling the next disaster that hits or just as life goes on so yeah take this to heart i'm matt smith for for two black guys with good credit and i'm out and i'm karen margolis for two black guys with good credit find me on social media that's k-e-r-e-n margolis on everything and as i always say it doesn't matter what you did it only matters what you do next that is literally yeah and i'm sean linda uh the better half of two black guys with good credit and as i always say your money is your money. Protect it and keep it in your damn pocket. And come on, people. Let's grow, man. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's grow and, and make good things happen. And I'm out. Remember, you can always send us a line at tbgwgc at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, and be well. Love you guys. I'm out. Ooh.